You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. Happy Friday, Jess. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Friday. What have you done? What have you you all done today? I've been at work. Spring semester starts next week, so Hmm. trying to get ready. Very nice. Yeah. I snowing like crazy here. Really? It's sunny out over here. Cold, but sunny. Well, okay. Thirties. That's not cold in Indiana winter. That's like (laughs) nice weather. (laughs) But, Hmm. uh, so we are talking about a topic today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. And, (laughs) And that topic is from the beginning. We wanted to be a, a place that welcomes a diversity of viewpoints on the Enneagram, right? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it, that is, if you listen through our what, catalog, is that a thing for works. podcasts? Music language. I'm in the business after all. So, <laughs> <laughs> But if you listen through all of our episodes, you'll see we have a lot of different perspectives on the Enneagram from a lot of different schools of thought. And I think that's been great. There, it can cause maybe the casual listener to think that we wholeheartedly endorse absolutely everything that's been said mm. on the podcast, right? Yeah. It's not true. There are going to be, when you have that many guests, that many takes on the Enneagram, there are going to be things we don't agree with. There are probably things the three of us don't necessarily completely agree on. Definitely not. Nope. Man, we should have a... <laughs> we should like find a, we something. We should have a showdown and argue about it sometime. <laughs> I will say that is one thing that I don't feel like we normally... F- we don't normally have things that we disagree with, at least that we talk about publicly. Yeah. And I wonder, that would be a really fun show to do. Yeah, that would be, I think. Um, or it could be a disaster. I think. It could be great or it could be a disaster. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But we, we have made an intentional choice, I think, to mm-hmm. not be combative, right? To be open-minded and to trust our listeners because I think we have a really sharp listener base, mm-hmm. you know, to and not be the arbiters of what uh, they should necessarily believe or hold true regarding the Enneagram. Mm. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Or do you think our listeners are dumb? Because I think they're smart. (laughs) I mean, I can't empirically say one or the other. (laughs) However, my interactions with most of them have been, have been quite, quite surprising. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how do you, how do you all with the theme of this season being story, we're inviting people to come share their story on here, right? Every guest on here is sharing some part of their story, even if it's based around the Enneagram, right? I forget who it, who it was, but uh, saying they said something along the lines of, um, not a guest, some philosopher, uh, we do not experience the world as it is, but as we are. And, I mean, that, yeah, that, that's initially from Anais Nin. Okay. Who said that? Hmm. Um, 
but so we did not have as a guest (laughs) we did not (laughs) why not (laughs) seems like a mess um (laughs) so regardless of how maybe however they're sharing their story it's still coming from their viewpoint from their experience subjective experience so coming back to my question how do you all see story playing into uh, what we're trying to create here the space we're trying to create yeah i mean i think that's kind of the value of even naming that there was a story that we'd been writing before we knew cognitively we were writing one. Um, you know, we all see in part, uh, and I think everybody sees from a point, but it's not until you begin to recognize that there was something being constructed that you've been filtering the world through previously. That until seeing that, you can open up to, you know, include more perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think, in a sense, you know, we're. Like you said, Creek, we're including all the different variations on story on how to communicate a large system like the Enneagram. I mean, the Enneagram is exactly a tool that shows us there are different lenses and different filters, you know, mm-hmm. through which we interpret and perceive uh, the world, the reality, you know. So now I forget yeah. your question. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, how does, how does story play into the space that we're trying to create with mm-hmm. Fathoms and the community surrounding it? Yeah, I hope, I'm sure we can do this better, but I, I hope what comes through in in each episode is a posture of hospitality towards whoever we have on, right? Mm-hmm. That we um, kind of hold space for and make room for the guest to share their story mm-hmm. and to do so honestly and with, you know, with authenticity and integrity. Mm-hmm. That's what I hope. Uh, and because you know there and what what's key to that is is that we don't take the kind of position of the guru or the sage, you know mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. Like we obviously will share things and insights, you know or, or you know things the difference we're between sharing expertise right and considering you have the ultimate answers, yeah, exactly. and and I think it can be pretty tempting or pretty easy to bring a guest on and then use that as almost a a prop. The guest is a prop to show how intelligent, smart, and mm-hmm. right we are, right? right? And so I think the best thing that we can do is, is make room for the guest to really share what they want to share, right? Mm-hmm. And have a good, honest conversation about it. Thinking back through all the different guests, even though I disagreed with guests, with certain guests, um, every single guest brought some level. Um, I got something out of it, even if nothing else. It's like checking my bias or why are you reacting against that statement, and then me exploring that. Sure. Um, so there's there's value in all of that. The, the the critique of the other, it's it's letting the letting their position critique my position, and to be able to come into that with a humble attitude. Totally. And along those lines, I think another thing that's that's valuable in including different voices is we don't know where our listener is. And I know we, all three of us are on, we have similar journeys, but we also have very different journeys on how we've gotten to where we are, where we think we're going, how, what interests us. And I think just because uh, a guest says something that one person thinks is dumb or not helpful 
that doesn't mean that there's not another person out there that it's exactly what they need to hear at that moment. Even right. if it's not the absolute fullest untainted truth, <laughs> totally, it still can be helpful in some, yeah. in some level. Yeah, I think any one position in and of itself is incomplete. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't negate the fact or the value or the uniqueness of that person's story because that names something in, something in somebody else's story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It maybe doesn't get them like it doesn't show them the entire picture of their, or sure. the rest of their journey, but it gets them to the next step. Right. I think it, it maybe even like awakes awakens something inside them from somebody living the next step that that somebody else hasn't lived yet. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And it's probably worth acknowledging. You know, this is this is stating the obvious, but I, I think it's important that it doesn't mean that anything and everyone would have access you know, to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to join us on fathoms it is you know it is our show <laughs> so sure. we 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 and we only have so much time and space and capacity and and so that means that there are a lot of decisions behind the scenes about who we ask or who we ask that says yes you know to us because mm-hmm. they're available who we don't ask and choose not to ask you know to be on the show that um you know, there's obviously decisions and discernment that goes into that Sure. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon turn the turn down there was hard, but yeah, that was a yeah. hard one. I thought we worked really hard on that for a few months. Yeah, um, and then we decided we couldn't go on a show, so right, it's it a tough one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just you know scheduling conflicts uh, yeah. couldn't make it work. My yeah. people were talking to his people, and yeah, yeah. maybe next really year. Really, a scheduling maybe. issue. Yeah, that's what it came down to. Uh, Drew, we hadn't read you in yet, and so this is on the fly. But Creek, and I, I was texting Creek about this before we jumped oh, on. I'm nervous. Uh, <laughs> one, and this can all be cut out, uh, or it could be incredibly valuable for the rest of your lives. We'll see. <laughs> but can it be uh, something in between those two things? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it is Not at all. One or the other. It's one or the other. But anyway, uh, so there's this book I've heard about from a handful of people over the last year or two. I have not read it yet, but I've heard uh, the author be interviewed a few times. Um, Drew, have you heard of the of the author named James P. Kars and his book called Finite and Infinite Games? Uh, no, I've, I have not. Okay, so this is kind of a, a potential lens through which I was thinking about how we okay. can kind of talk about this 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 uh, this topic of this conversation so he, he's a brilliant dude he was he just passed away last year or a year before but he was a professor emeritus of history and literature of religion at new york university so he, he knows his he knows his stuff but in the book go with me for a second here he says that there are at least two kinds of games one could be called the finite and the other is the infinite so a finite game is played for the purpose of winning and an infinite game is is for the purpose of continuing the play so finite hmm. games or are uh, sort of familiar contests of everyday life they're played in order to be won but there is an end uh, mm-hmm. whereas infinite games are more mysterious and the object isn't winning but to ensure the continuation of play so the rules might change within these games like the boundaries might even participants but the infinite game doesn't really have an end so okay. It kind of asks this question through, you can contextualize it through your life or through other systems, but what are infinite games uh, and how do they affect the ways that we play our finite games? Mm. So 
take that framework or lens and I was thinking about how do we contextualize the different takes or the different opinions or the different schools, the finite takes on the Enneagram Hmm. versus playing the infinite game of the human journey of transformation. That's really great. Hmm. I was listening... (laughs) <laughs> that's a, yeah. a sec. Sorry for the delayed response, but <laughs> it, it's a lot. It was a lot. It's a lot, lot, a lot to take in. It is. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Crete got to read it in text first. So. Yeah. How it how it hits me, um, and I was also kind of re-listening to one of our like earlier earlier episodes with Jason Matt, Jason Adam Miller, holding tension, and he said something along along the lines of it's much easier for us to get caught up in what we believe. But I think we need to be more concerned about less about what we believe and more what we're becoming. And there's a tension between those two things and both of those things are are important, but we tend to lean towards the sides of what we believe instead of who we're becoming. And Mm -hmm. I think this encapsulates what we're trying to do in fathoms. It's like, we're just giving a lot of like, here's what different experts are saying about the Enneagram and other things surrounding self-development psychology. Take what's helpful. And as long as you're continuing to grow in self-awareness, in more grace, more love, more compassion, just being a better human, that's the important part. That's the infinite game to me. Mm. Where the podcast and, and, and what we're doing here is a lot more of a finite of like, yes, this is what so-and-so thinks about this particular topic. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I think when I think of my own kind of journey with the Enneagram, there was definitely a phase in which I just wanted to know it forwards and backwards. Right. Like I wanted to be able to recall and have memorized like every kind of Mm -hmm. little layer or wrinkle of the Enneagram system so that I could be really smart and helpful and interesting. Right. Yes. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And which uh, now, you know, using this framework definitely is, uh, that's a finite game. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and there is so much of that available to people who are interested in the Enneagram right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And also why, you know, there is this dissonance. If you spend time in the Enneagram community, there is a dissonance that exists in some circles between the people <laughs> who are experts in it yeah. and mm-hmm. are, you know, train wrecks, right? And that's and that's not, to, there are many, many healthy, brilliant people in the community yeah. as well, but yeah. that definitely exists. That element exists, which is surprising to people when they first yeah. encounter it, right? But I mm-hmm. think it's because there, you can play a finite game with the Enneagram pretty easily, yeah. right? Totally. And so this, this idea of an infinite game, which is more about this process of becoming, you know, mm-hmm. becoming whole, uh, yeah. becoming uh, more authentically you, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, a more integrated sense of self with your personality and the other parts of you, right? I mm-hmm. think that's, that's where I think the Enneagram is profoundly helpful and in many ways doesn't require you to, you kind of pass, you know, or get a hundred percent on the flashcards or the Quizlet, you know, <laughs> or right, whatever it might be, right? Right. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah. I th- I think of there's lots of ways that I just I keep repeatedly seeing we how we take something limited that uh, and we turn it into the ultimate, mm-hmm. and then transformation is no longer available for us. Mm-hmm. And I think we do that with specific 
teachers or schools. <laughs> and there goes Drew's lights. <laughs> oh, I love that. We need to get a video podcast. <laughs> Flailing your arms. Uh, uh, so but, sorry. But it's just, it's, it's semi, it's, it's really hilariously ironic that people take the uh, something limited and overdo it to become an ultimate when the tool you're using is telling you exactly how not to do that you know mm-hmm. uh, it's it's just kind of sadly hilarious to me mm-hmm. yeah and and I wonder and, and that kind of makes sense of how uh, of how people that I, I know certain I'm not going to call anybody out but teachers that have been in the field for 40 years who are still having the same issues in their you know, who are still kind of being this kind of person that nobody wants to hang out with, right? Mm-hmm. They haven't actually allowed the thing to inform them on some deep level, on, on you know? Yeah. And my sense is that it's kind of, it has something to do with this. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important to note, I mean, this is, <laughs> we're always playing the game of opposites, right? We're always, we're always vacillating between one side or the other, and it's hard to talk about one thing without demonizing the other side. Mm-hmm. And so to... Unless you're a nine, but... Yeah. <laughs> okay. We've just been having this conversation recently with Seth about how uh, <laughs> he thinks he thinks he's the most humble. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just so proud of how humble he is. And uh, <laughs> Speaking of irony, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Everyone, Seth, is a very humble person, actually. Except when he's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I won't speak on my own behalf. It's completely normal and natural. I think we've probably named this before. Completely normal and natural to have an opinion, have something that has worked for you that feels part of your identity, part of how you operate in the world, part of how you interface with reality, mm-hmm. however you want to define that. And for someone to say, for someone to say something contrary or something that undermines the way you've been operating for your entire life, it seems. Yeah. That reaction is absolutely normal and is necessary in some regards. And there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong about that. There's nothing, this is probably controversial, but there's nothing wrong with coping, right? There's nothing, it's when we're coping and we don't, we're not aware that we're coping yeah and when coping starts harming yourself and others in a long-term fashion that's when coping becomes harmful and sometimes sometimes like vegging out on netflix while you're sick right that's that's completely for me to distract myself so i don't have to feel the pain right there's nothing wrong with that that is completely that's Mm -hmm. a gift your body's giving you a gift of distracting from the pain. So just wanting to name that and being like, it's okay to feel triggered by certain things. But what we're hoping to cultivate within ourselves and within our listeners is the, uh, the strength of curiosity to step into maybe, maybe my quote enemy has something to teach me. Maybe I I don't always have to just surround myself with friends. I was just listening to a podcast with with uh, a philosopher Peter Rollins, and he was 
saying there's often four ways we we deal with our enemies. We either consume them or convert them like over to our side so that there is not an other there to engage with, or we expel or destroy them, ostracize them away from us so we don't have to engage them. Or we do some sort of tolerance where it's like, all right, you have yours, I have mine. As long as we don't talk about it, we can just keep watching the football game together. And then there's there's one other one that is, well, you know, underneath, we're all the same, kumbaya, which great, love that. But that's also not the case in some regards. Sometimes there are two absolutely opposing, completely logical viewpoints that can never be put together as one holistic thing. And then the, the talk continued and he talked about how let's, let's find the place in the middle, right? Maybe they're not your friend. And what if they're not your enemy? Can they be your neighbor? Because a neighbor is one that you have to live with, have to love. Well, you don't have to love them, but that you get to engage with them. But learning to hold that that tension of differing beliefs and different ways of operating and how can you continue to let that inform you and, and see them. Yeah. Just see them more clearly. Yeah. uh, To me, that is kind of uh, a helpful distinction between two words that I think often get confused to be one and the same acceptance versus condoning Mm -hmm. to accept the person uh, and their perspective because of their story of how they came to what they think. But yeah, I may or may not condone everything that they, you know, they teach or preach or whatever, you know, or do. but yeah, but there's still something. It is both. And is kind of what we're, what I'm naming here is I can accept the person, but I don't have to condone their action. So I think all that to say, bringing it back to fathoms and our theme of story, I, I think, it's not easy to, you know, try to walk a line of uh, diversity of voices, opinions, and takes. <laughs> and some of those you may, you know, we may personally disagree with, but also, you know, wanting to expose our audience to that diversity of thought because it could be really helpful for them in their stories, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's a different thing than when any one of us are doing, you know, individual coaching or teaching or, you know, we're, I would think that we're probably far more direct and vocal about our personal take, you know, on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And, and that's different than the space we're trying to create and cultivate uh, on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, along those lines, I do think also knowing what you believe is often uh, it's a lot harder to define what you believe than what you don't. And I think that's also a valid way of of approaching a system of mm-hmm. like of distilling down what it is that you're actually where you actually stand on an issue is knowing where you don't. Yeah, and I know actually kind of going back to what Drew said, early on that we kind of, we, we respect and trust our listeners too. In that, you know, I have a, this room that I'm sitting in is full of a bunch of books on lots of topics. And I absolutely do not agree with everything in here. That doesn't mean, you know, I should not have purchased every one of these, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is my way of understanding of taking in information to try and 
understand more deeply where what people's stories are so I can meet them where they are. So mm-hmm. I can, you know, that doesn't mean I'm condoning a single thing in here. Uh, yeah. It's just, there's a difference be, between valuing something, valuing someone's story and where they're coming from and how they came to that place. As I, as I continue to learn and grow and um, hear different voices, the more and more I'm realizing this is it's a silly statement, kind of an obvious statement on some level, but life is precarious. Mm-hmm. And, this, and the sooner I get used to that the ground is always going to be shifting underneath me. And I can't, I can't build rigid structures. I have to build structures that are adaptable in a way that when something gets knocked out, it's like, oh, I expected that. I expected something to change and to shift because that's just how life is. I learn new things and I grow and I adapt. And I, we have new information about this thing as much as that hurts to admit that I might have uh, been wrong at one point. It's okay because it just, mm. it's more exciting. The more yeah. I get more addicted <laughs> to learning more things and to being wrong than, than having a final statement on mm. this is it. Now there are certain things that I'm like, as far as I know, this, this seems pretty solid and this has held up quite a long time in the face of a lot of challenges. So there's certain things that I can lean on more than others, but uh, always being agile in that department, I think is just a good call. Clean up on uh, agile (laughs) one. Uh, What? I don't know. Aisle one. Oh, put that at the very front of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's going to be like, what What? is this? Uh, Creek, what you're talking about actually reminds me of I'm sure you've heard of me, heard of, heard of me. <laughs> I have, in fact. <laughs> now, uh, you may, I may or may not have heard of what's called the, the cataphatic or the apophatic tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one way I like to name it is that, uh, is that the cataphatic is kind of a, a way to label or categorize or put a title or handles to the infinite, to, mm-hmm. to you could say, to God because we want to try and characterize him and understand God, you know, even mm-hmm. the word him is a way to do that. Mm-hmm. The, the pronoun. And right. I, and, I, and that's helpful because we need to grasp something in order to know what to do with it, you know, how to move mm-hmm. in the world, how to actually act. But that is supposed to be held within, in tandem with the other word, the apophatic experience, which is the idea to name something is to negate something. It's to make it less than and to limit it and put it in a box when you title it. Uh, mm-hmm. But the idea was that those are supposed to be held together, and that is how you move through life in relationship, not primarily only identified through one lens, you know, one take. And I think that's kind of what we're uh, some of what we're naming here of how do we hold the well back to the James P. Cars book? <laughs> and how do we hold the the infinite and the the finite? How do we move through the infinite mm-hmm. experience of the journey of transformation as a human as human beings? But doing it through finite expressions, but yeah. not getting too uh, sold out on one, if you will. Yeah. Uh, no, that's really good. And I, I think uh, another maybe important lesson for me that helps 
illustrate this point. Uh, you know, I'm generally kind of a handy guy, but I'm not a craftsman, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. by any means. And so I, I was working on something with a friend of mine who is, and was explaining to me that uh, when framing like a house or a room, the reason that framers use nails and not screws is because the nails provide tensile strength, right? Mm. Where they provide um, strong enough to hold the structure together, but flexible enough to kind of give when needed, right? Mm. As opposed to you know a screw which would not have tensile strength, which have just a more rigid strength, would actually be counterproductive to the, the structural integrity of the mm. house because uh, there needs to be some give, right? There needs yeah. to be some flexibility, and mm. um, that's really good. And I think I think that's a, a good approach to life, right? Absolutely. Like we we need to have. I'm not saying we need to be weak, right? Absolutely. Or weak minded, yeah. or wishy washy, or you know whatever. But I do think our the strength that we kind of cultivate needs to have some. Uh, Tensile, tensility? Is yeah. that even a word? I like I that. That sounds cool. <laughs> I don't know. Tensility. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Uh, it has to ha- there has to be some flexibility to it in order for it to hold. Hmm. Right. Totally. So I guess in closing, this is probably this this felt like a slightly different episode than we've done in the past. A bit more I don't want to say esoteric because it does feel practical, Maybe. but a bit more high minded it, or, or introspective. Philosophical and yeah. Um, well rounded. <laughs> That's completely opposite of what I was saying, but okay. Oh. <laughs> We're talking about tensions. <laughs> no, that's that's what I that, that's what I think of tension. Yeah, holding the tension of opposites, that capacity yeah. is more well-rounded. That's what I I think we're addressing for sure. No, you're you are correct. <laughs> um, so hopefully, you, listener, you were able to get something out of this. Um, <laughs> but uh, the more the more you guys can. Uh, the more you all can send, I don't know, guests or alternate viewpoints. We'd love to just continue yeah. to hold this space as open as possible while being respectful to our listeners and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, communicate. Please yeah, communicate it would be great us. to hear from listeners about on this, you know, first of all, are we achieving what we're, you know, striving for here? Yeah, right. Um, and, yeah, who should we include in the conversation? Mm. Yeah, with that said. Tidings of comfort and joy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Abram's in another dimension right now. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs>Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time.